first time you open your fridge for a snack, the, the standard of an acceptable snack is very high, right? But as time goes on, that standard drops. So at 2.33, I'm looking at the fridge. There's nothing but old, cold, dry coconut. And I'm chomping at it. That's not even a snack. That is an ingredient. And then I had this, this, this thought, like, what the hell am I doing with my life? Hello, and welcome to the Code and Conquer podcast. In this episode, our guest is a gamer, an indie hacker, maybe the greatest marketing guy of them all, Arvind Sundar. Arvind is a marketing expert who has had a very impressive and diverse career journey. He's been a CMO, he's given 52 speeches in 52 weeks, he's competed to become the world champion of public speaking, and now he's teaching us a little about marketing. Arvind will share his experiences, including how he broke into the world of indie hacking and his core product, Put the Player First, a gaming-related framework. We'll also discuss his strategies for marketing, leveraging the framework for personal branding, and his insights on ADHD and how you can cope with that when you're running a business. And with that, let's jump right in. And welcome to the 13th episode of the Code and Conquer podcast. And today I have with me Arvind Sundar. Who are you? Introduce yourself and what do you do for a living? <laughs> Thank you so much for having me here, Tobias. Did I say that right? Was it? Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Tobias. That's right. <laughs> I really struggle with names, you know. So my name is Arvind and I run something called Put the Player First, where I help founders build a profitable authority-based business using secrets that you find in tabletop role-playing games and fantasy adventures. Basically, turning business into a business, into a game. <laughs> See, I'm so excited, you know, I can barely contain my energy. But yes, that's what I do. And as I understand it, we are usually looking at the background of the founders that we have on the podcast a little mm -hmm. first, what they did in the, in the past and stuff. Before you went into this kind of indie hacker, solopreneur business style, mm -hmm. you were doing marketing for a number of companies as yes. a full-time employee, I'm guessing. And in the end, you were even a CMO of a company. Mm -hmm. Tell us more about that part of your journey. All right. So it all started long, long ago when <laughs> I, I started uh, my, my career in, as, as a chemical engineer, right? So I'm a chemical engineer by education, but I ended up joining an IT company and I enjoyed coding so much that I'm like, you know what, I'm going to try it. And I stuck in that job for about a year or so until they told me that I can't wear jeans to work. And that's where my rebellious phrase kicked in. I'm like, you know what, chuck it, I'm going to quit. So I quit on the spot and uh, being the young, you know, hot-blooded idiot that I was, I ended up uh, saying, you know what, I'm done with IT, so I'm going to go into a different field. And I started doing advertising and, and copywriting and sales. And since then, and this was again back in like 2006, I've held a variety of jobs. I've, I've done door-to-door -door sales. I have traveled in buses just to sell laptops by bribing We call them like like the the college body leaders so that they can you know arm pressure their mm -hmm. juniors to buy stuff. Been there, done that, and most of my career though has been in the communication space. In fact, like this this latest attempt at running a business is my fourth attempt. The first one was actually about helping college students figure out how to get placed in companies when they come in for interviews because I had a I had a natural flair so to speak in in terms of impressing management. And then the second attempt was uh, a training company where I would go around teaching people how to use Apple software. Believe it or not, back in the day, there was this thing called iLife and iWork. And I would teach people, you know, because Mac was just being introduced in India and most people didn't know it. 
I got lucky. I got that opportunity. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to teach people doing this. So I did that. That didn't, you know, fare out too well. The third attempt was a, it was actually India's first storytelling agency, right? Mm -hmm. And we would do content marketing and we called it Grok Communications. A friend and I, we got together and we were like, you know what? Let's try this. If not now, then when? And we ended up growing to about a team of about 20 odd people. And then after that, I joined my last job, which was at, at you know, in an ed tech company that was teaching analytics and data science. And, we, you know, I grew through the ranks and that was my longest job, by the way. I think it was about two years, right? <laughs> <laughs> and the reason for all of this was, well, well, you know, I didn't know it back then, but I have ADHD and I, you know, found out about two years ago. Looking back, all of this, you know, makes sense. But at that time, I was like, dude, you know, I'm too smart. You know, I, I'm, I'm no good for bulletproofing stuff. I'm good for the ideas. You know, I will build a prototype. You guys figure out the rest. But yes, you know, continuously failing forward, I got to where I am. So yeah, ended up, you know, somehow by my fear, fluke and luck and just, just being an ideas guy, ended up becoming a chief marketing officer of this ed tech company. And then I had the opportunity to strike out again where, you know, I, I, again, multiple, multiple pivots. Now I finally found something that's working and I've reached ramen profitability. So I'm super duper happy. How and why did you decide to leave the typical career path being a CMO and then going mm -hmm. entirely for yourself, being a business, a solopreneur mm -hmm. for say? You know what? I'm going to be freaking honest. <laughs> okay. I, I just, mm -hmm. look, one of the things that, that uh, you know, I'm going to be talking a little bit more about like how my experience with ADHD is, right? So mm -hmm. in, in the initial phase, right, this, this excitement, it is palpable, right? Like, like you can, you can, I can go for like days without sleep just because I'm hyper fixating on something, right? Like when, like, for example, like the, my latest hyper fixation was learning how to use stable diffusion on my PC, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> and I, I just, I just, I was like a freaking beast, like four days nonstop at my age with, with my daughter and my wife. It was nuts. And, but I was, you know, super duper pumped. But once that, that excitement dies off and, and the, the routine side of thing kicks in, which now as I'm growing older, I respect that, hey, that has its place, that has its value. It's just not for me, right? And when that boredom kicks in, I had to find, I had to invent new ways of keeping myself engaged in the workplace, right? But when you're done with pleasing the boss, when you're done with the politics, you're like, what the hell am I doing, mate, right? And I was like, you know what, chuck it, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. So I, I quit. And most of these times it's, it looks like idiocy, but it's the thing that works for me, which is to quit without a safety net. And, and I'll tell you why, right? I've done a lot of research once I figured out that, hey, I had ADHD. It's like people like me, people with ADHD, we are at home in chaos, right? When there is a crisis, when, when shit's flying and hitting the fan and everybody's running around like headless chickens, we're like, oh, I am one. You know, we read this Zen state sort of a thing. And it is, it is, I love that, you know, I love, I love that high pressure, uh, high chaos environment and anything resembling a routine is, is, is a death knell for me. You know, it's very challenging. So I was like, you know what, I, I'm, I'm going to figure this out when, when it happens. The good thing though, is there are certain transferable skill sets that because of numerous failures in the past, like numerous level ups that I've had, I have ended up being able to not make those same mistakes. So I have the luxury of making new mistakes. And I've, the, oh God, yes. The number of pivots I've had, it's insane. You know, I figured that out. Like, okay, this is what I need to do. This is what I need to do. So 
yeah, that's that's how it's worked. And that's something that you can probably never really do in a company, right? That's something oh God, that no. works yeah. very well as an indie hacker, but doesn't really work in a company. <laughs> <laughs> very true. Very true. And as a small disclaimer, we have a whole part of the interview that comes later about this, but mm -hmm. I can relate to some part of your ADHD being <laughs> of your <laughs> symptoms, because uh, you were actually the person that made me do an ADHD test myself. That mm -hmm. was negative, but the, the person that did that would uh, just said that it's not a clinical thing, but I have the, the tendency, so I can kind of see the, the points with uh, yeah. Yeah, surviving yeah. and chaos, right? Um, <laughs> and then I got uh, tested for being gifted, which means an IQ of higher than 130, which I was actually, I guess, positive for. Kind of doesn't feel He's that gorgeous. positive sometimes. But yeah, so just as a disclaimer, when we talk about this, this thing that we both have maybe similar struggles, not the mm -hmm. same ones, obviously, mm -hmm. but yeah, just going forward with an interview. We kind of already talked about this, but I'm still going to post the question because it's kind of making a, a, a whole picture out of it. How mm -hmm. did you then break into this whole world of indie hacking and building public and the community around it? And yeah. Okay. All right. You know what? No filters. So <laughs> I was I was very new. Like I had a Twitter account back like in like 2008 or nine when I was doing my master's degree. And at that time I had like some sort of a meltdown, right? Like, and, and I went on some sort of a weird rant, but it wasn't like Naval Rafikant, right? My, my rant was bullshit. So I'm like, you know what? Chuck it. I'm going <laughs> to delete that account. So I deleted it. And I didn't come back to it until like about, I don't know, maybe maybe a year and a half ago. That's what I can remember, right? And I was like trying to figure out how can I actually build my business online? Because one of my friends, they in, in conversation with them, I realized that there was an old Indian movie uh, about Indians in America, right? Now, uh, I'm, I'm an Indian, I'm living in India, but there were these people who were brown on the outside, white on the inside, and they were called coconuts, right? And I realized like, dude, I was a coconut, right? And I'll, I'll tell you why. It's, it's because like, I, I've not lived in India as long. I have had the good fortune or the bad fortune of uh, living in China, in Hong Kong, in Kuwait. And I've, I've studied in a variety of different educational systems. And I, I didn't make my first friend until I started college. Okay. So my, my first friend in life was in college. And, and what, what I realized was because I was traveling around, I couldn't relate to anything. But the one constant in my life was books, right? Books like Animorphs, books like Goosebumps, books like Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew. And, and, you know, I, I was like, wait, I relate to those people more than, you know, the people in, in that I'm interacting with. And even when I was working here, there was, that, 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 that the operating system that I had developed in my head was, was flavor, was it, was a different distribution, like a different flavor of like Linux, if you know what I mean. Right. Mm -hmm. And what ended up happening was that that kind of stuff, that kind of ideologies, they resonated more with me. Of course, I'm, I'm definitely an Indian and I do support my, my parents and my community here, but the way I was thinking, the way I approached business, the, I, I think it was more of an individualism versus a collectivism thing, right? Because Asian cultures, like, like for example, Korean, Japanese, Chinese, Indian, we're all typically collectivist in nature. Whereas, you know, there's like individuals and you can do it. I was like, I can do it. So I did it. 
<laughs> now, this is a good point to remember that I forgot what the original question was. It's about how did I get into this thing, right? Into this journey. Build public yeah. communities. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was here and I found that, hey, people like this were there on, on Twitter, right? And it was easy to have conversations because by some fluke, I managed to have a conversation with a movie star in India. I managed to have a conversation with one of my favorite musicians, Hindi Zara, right? She makes some of the most amazing music. I believe she's from Turkey. And I was like, dude, if this can happen, I can talk to anyone. So I was just like puttering about trying to figure out what can happen. And so, some fluke, somebody had posted some, this thing. And I was very naive then, okay? I, I was like not, I was like, what was that guy's name, man? That, that actor, Edward Norton in the mm -hmm. beginning of Fight Club, okay? That's how I was. And what <laughs> ended up happening was like, I'm like, oh, dude, look, this guy's giving me like a 50% off on this guy's audience building course. I should totally do that. I'm like, hey, I will pay you $400 to learn how to build an audience on Twitter. And I paid $400 to learn how to build an audience on Twitter. And I realized how much of a bullshit it was to build an audience on Twitter. Because, like, you know, it's, it's very good, but I'm not going to uh, name the name of the course, of course, because, you know, I'm supposed to be a good guy. And what ended up happening was that the, the key undertones were, hey, you know what? form an engagement pod by yourselves in Discord. And when someone posts, everybody else go and like comment and like on that. That was one, one tip. Second one, the person who was organizing that was, and you know, their affiliates were people with massive audiences. They're like, you know what, as a part of doing this course, don't tell anybody else, but just let me know, you know, in the future sometime when, you know, one of your tweets needs a boost, I will retweet it to my massive, massive, massive audience. I'm like... I just paid $400 for like two retweets. Thank you. <laughs> but, but, but this is the time when I got into the crypto space as well. All right. As in, I purchased my first NFT, which was a CPG pop. And that thing just, it's just like cratered, right? And it's still like holding low. But, but I, I got this good opportunity to work, like do consulting work in terms of community building and world building for my Web3 clients, right? And that's where, you know, I realized, that's, that's when I got to see like behind the curtain, like how everything runs on money, right? If you pay, you get distribution. And I was like, this is one end of the spectrum and I don't enjoy this, right? It is, it is not my vibe because again, I was brought up on a lot of books and my favorite book was, uh, was a book on Japanese folklore. And there was this other one called the Book of Five Rings by something, something Miyamoto, I think. It talks about Bushido, right? Like a code of mm -hmm. honor and all that. And me being the extremely young and impressionable kid I was, I'm like, I have to live my life with honor. This is unforgivable. <laughs> so I'm like, this is not honorable. So I'm not going to do this, right? Now, of course, I couldn't have said this like about a year ago because I would come across looking like a lunatic. Now. I come across like a lunatic, but I am okay with that, right? Because I, I, I was searching for the other end of the spectrum, right? Wondering what it was, right? And I realized it's not a spectrum, but it's actually like a triangle. Because what happened was one end of the spectrum is this, you know, what I'm going to, for the sake of understanding by everybody else, I'm going to call it the hustle bro culture, where it's like, mm -hmm. you know, hey, you know, we got this and, you know, you know, you retweet mine, I'll retweet yours. Yeah, we're all going to make $5,000, Yeah. That kind of white, right? That's that's one thing. And then on the other end, like this is like the business side of Twitter, right? There is this other non-business side of Twitter, which is all about everything else in life, right? Like like you're talking like sports and, and politics. And that's, that. I mean, apart from like video games, nothing really interests me much, right? So I, I stayed away from that side. But I was trying to find this other end of the spectrum when it comes to business Twitter, especially when it comes to like marketing, right? 
And that's when I found Kevon. I, for the life of me, I don't remember how I found him, but I read his guide called Public Lab. I think that's where he's hosted, the publiclab.co. And there he's spoken about building a business in public. I'm like, dude, this guy's my spirit animal. I don't know where he was, but <laughs> where were you? It was awesome, right? Because a lot of the things that he had created, a lot of the stuff that he had written, a lot of the tweets that he had posted, they were very, it's like, it felt nice, you know, for, for that's the best way I can describe it. It was, it resonated well, it wasn't pushy. And it's like, live and let live, right? That seemed to be the overarching mm -hmm. philosophy as opposed to, let's go kill this. That's not my vibe. But this, I'm like, okay, you know, let's, let's check that out. Reached out to Kevon. I did his Build in Public Mastery course, which... Which, which which gave me a very distinct approach to marketing compared to what I had uh, traditionally approached. Like I'm a traditional like storyteller plus content marketer that that you know like like hey let's do keyword research figure out what are the keywords and we create content. I'm I was good at that stuff. I still am, but you know I, I've now got this additional facet, which says document, don't create, right? Like show yourself to be who you are, and mm -hmm. people will come. I was like, this sounds like bullshit, but I'm going to try, right? So. Wait a that's, I mean, come on. That's all we can do, right? We have to try anything twice. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> when, we, when, when I tried it, it was like, huh, okay. I'm, I was actually enjoying this. I'm able to like, stick to this. And I also realized that at this time, I could really harness my ADHD, right? And what that was, was building in public really lent itself for me to harness it. Like I could come out with like harebrained projects with impossible deadlines. And all I had to do for marketing was... Hey guys, I'm working on this. You know, just just talk to my people about this. And I was like, okay, you know what? I'm gonna do this. And this is 2023 April. Sorry, 2023 March. I promised the world that I'm gonna be releasing a free course on marketing to the world by before April. And that one month, I just went like, you know, just just building the course, sharing the updates, all of that. And my audience was like growing. I was like, shit, this stuff works. Let's do this. <laughs> so I, I did that. I did that. I did that. And then I realized that indie hacking was, how do I say this? Many indie hackers, not many, almost all indie hackers, they code, right? I don't. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> it's going to sound very dumb. It's almost like, you know, sore grapes. Oh, I can't have it. So you can't. So I reframed indie hacking into a mindset as opposed to being mm -hmm. able to ship code. I really wish I could. And I'll come to that, but I'm like, so they're indie hacking like SaaS products. I will indie hack like courses and, and coaching and whatnot, right? So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do what, like Peter Levels, he had that book, right? Make or something. I got mm -hmm. that. I left aside everything that's there about tech. I'm like, okay, this is what you're going to do. Like ship fast, ship often, and, you know, see what sticks and then iterate. Now I took that knowledge along with the stuff that I learned from Kevon and the stuff that I had from my experience. And I kind of like supercharged with my ADHD where saying that, you know what? Every month, I'm going to be shipping something, okay? It's got to be an info product. It's got to be a workshop, something, A, B, C, D. I trade, I trade, I trade, I trade, I trade. And then finally, I landed along this journey. I had the opportunity to speak to about 100, 150-odd uh, founders, like one-on-one, -on -one, right? Where, like, like Rob Fitzpatrick says, right? User research, right? So... Mm -hmm conversation i figured out this is what they were lacking there were like courses everywhere but what they didn't have was accountability someone to hold their hand you know as stuff would happen i was like okay maybe this is what i got to try so three four months ago i started uh, making my first offer for it started in july right that's when it was started july 20 something and that's when it picked up 
And I, like the first sales call, I was so terrified. I wanted to say, it's going to be $150 a call. And I'm like, it's $150 a month? Yes. Yes, $150 a month. I'm like kicking myself inside because I'm like shitting bricks. And I was like, yes, I'll take it. You know, $150 is $150. So that, that was my first client. And I'm still a big fan of him. I learned a lot about D&D from reading his blog <laughs> and stuff like that. So you know what? It's okay. You know, I, I think of this as, as fees that are paid to him for learning D&D. But every other, like every client that I've pitched to afterwards, I've just been like doubling my rates, doubling my rates. And I'm at now 1500 MRR. Oh, <laughs> so perfect ramen profitability there. Yes, yes, um, yes, yes, absolutely. And, and I have the, my the, next uh, milestone as well. It's it's waifu profitability. You know, <laughs> I can make enough money that my wife is okay with it. So I will that's get I it. think a good a good thing to to aim for. Yeah. <laughs> One thing that we didn't uh, mention yet because the framework that you're selling, as I understand mm -hmm. it, is still called put, put the player first. I yes. actually purchased that at some point on Gumroad, mm -hmm. so it kind of mm -hmm. changed how it works. I think. Yes. Um, yes. So can you describe what put a player first is now? <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, remember how I was saying like indie hacking is like a mindset. So you, mm -hmm. you would release updates to like SaaS products, right? I'm like, why the hell can I do that for a course or a framework? And now yeah, everything sure. is like that, right? So now I'm at like V5 of the put the player first framework. And, and it all started in the year 2000. I was just, you know, I was in like 10th grade at the time. I just finished and there were like vacations happening. And my dad took me to this very, very shady underground market in Kuwait called Hawalli, right? And that's where you used to, you could buy pirated CDs. Mm -hmm. And I bought a pirated version of Diablo, right? Diablo 2, this was at the time. And I fell in love with the game. I still remember there was a barbarian and there was this this crow's nest or something. And he was like, oh, this is so awesome. And that's where my love for RPG started, by the way. And, you know, I, I played all summer, played this thing until my parents like actually broke the CD and threw it up because I wasn't studying enough. I still aced all the exams, right? Typical ADHD fashion, but they didn't get it. I didn't get it. I, I'm like, I know this. Anyways, fast forward to college. And what ended up happening was when I, when I joined college, I was like five foot two and I was about 130 kilos, right? Like I was short, fat, like practically a ball. I would, I would not walk. I would like roll or, or like waddle like a penguin from place to place. And then puberty happened. All right, I suddenly became six foot four and I was like 90 kilos. I'm like, oh, I can take my shirt off in public and it's okay. <laughs> I started playing basketball and, you know, made my first friend, Nanda, if you're watching. Hi, Macha as well as first slew of girlfriends, right? I'm like, <gasps> but my parents were not here as well. Remember, okay, I, I, I've lived abroad most of my life. I've been with my parents, very, very shy, like like acne. And, and this was like a typical Hollywood transformation sort of a thing. I glammed <laughs> up and I was like freaking awesome. I had like a motorcycle. I had a bandana, I had piercings. I had a tattoo and I was like, I'm going to do whatever it takes. You know, I'm, I'm like making up for lost time, right? And but one thing caught me at this time, there was a game that came out called Ragnarok. This was my first introduction to MMORPGs, that's massively multiplayer online role playing games, right? Mm -hmm. So this is when you would connect to a server and you would, you know, you would, you would play with other people on the same server. And I was like, oh, 
this is gorgeous. And they were all like speaking in Korean, right? And, and because Korea was like the heartland for that game. Mm. And, and then I learned about bots and I was like, oh, you could do this. What I did not know is that at that time, the internet connection in my house was metered. So I ran up a bill of about 27,000 rupees. So that is roughly divided by 80. What is that? So that's 2700 divided by 8, roughly $400. Oh, okay. That was bad. That was nasty <laughs> bad. And my dad and I, we had a very strict talking to. I think that's what we're allowed to say because beating up kids is not allowed. So that should happen. But you know, I still fell in love with that game. And then, you know, I, I started work and all of that. But my love for games still continue. The real big thing happened was five years after I started working, right? Uh, that's when Diablo 3 had come out. And mm -hmm. at that time I was married as well, right? And all I had in my name was about $500 in the bank account equivalent, a very beautiful wife. And like, we were pretty and poor, right? So that's, mm -hmm. th that was how we were starting off our life. And five years later, you know, I, I'd gone back to this reunion. So I started working in a company called Tesco, right? And that was on 3rd of June, 2006 or something. 2011, we go, we have like a meetup, right? Like for, hey, we all started working together five years ago. Where's, you know, how's everybody doing? One person was buying a car. Somebody was building a house. Somebody else was going to Venice on vacation. And I was in advertising and I shaved my head clean with a mohawk, right? So that's, that's what <laughs> I, I was like, huh, maybe, maybe, you know, I, I should do something about my life, right? And I decided to join like, like computer courses. So I learned about like Unix and stuff. Like I, I went to register. And, you know, I decided to get, get up in the morning and I'll do like exercise and all of that awesome stuff. And that stuff worked beautifully for like about like 10 days. Right. And then, you know, cracks started to appear. I'm like, you know what? I'll go to the gym later. It's okay. It's just, mm -hmm. just one day I'm skipping, you know, so that, that slippery slope started. But, but unfortunately, I, like I didn't fall back to where I was before. Like I didn't fall back to my baseline. I just kept shooting through, right? And everything just like, you know, I started just, just feeling absolutely horrible. So I just went to one place where I was happy. And this was in Diablo 3, okay? I was just sitting there. I was just like playing, playing, playing. Because inside the game, I was a god, right? <laughs> Outside, like, like life just made me its bitch, you know? It was, it was just horrible. And I found escape over there. It became so bad that I started neglecting like hygiene. I started neglecting my family, my wife. I started bunking work. Not a good place to be. And I, I you know, I share this with everyone. There was this this one moment, right? This this pivotal moment uh, where I got like super duper lucky. It's probably about like half past two, maybe three at night. The PC is on, but I'm hungry, right? And I don't know about you, but if you if you're awake at night and you want snacks, like. The first time you open your fridge for a snack, the, the standard of an acceptable snack is very high, right? But as time goes on, that standard drops. So at 2.33, I'm looking at the fridge. There's nothing but old, cold, dry coconut. And I'm chomping at it. That's not even a snack. That is an ingredient, all right? <laughs> there I'm sitting, there, I'm looking at the screen, like, because there was this, this Turiel animation going on. And then I had... This, this, this thought, like, what the hell am I doing with my life? My wife is sleeping in that room. Here I am eating this. And then I became the luckiest guy on the planet because I had the second thought. What if my life was like Diablo? Right? Just, just that. What if, what if I was like that? I'm like, oh, shit. And you know, like, even now I'm getting like goosebumps just talking about it. That's how awesome it was. And I still remember, like, you know, I, I just paused, like, you know, went to Town Portal and then I was just staring there. And I was like writing down stuff. Oh, shit. If my life was like an RPG, I would have like these skills and these could be the different quests and, you know, these are the different things. Of course, at that time, I knew jack shit. I knew nothing about game design, about storytelling, none of that stuff, right? But that's where my journey started. 
right? That's when I figured out like, holy shit, I can turn my life into a an, an RPG, right? And that's when I started learning about storytelling, about game design, gamification, psychology, marketing, sales, CBT, right? Cognitive behavior therapy. And, mm-hmm. and basically, how do you hack your brain, right? That's, that's and, and like, habits and stuff like again mind you at this time i had no clue that i had adhd right so mm-hmm. i'm like you know what gamification is my thing right i'm going to turn my life into a game now what i didn't realize was that it's going to take me a long time it took me like about a decade of figuring this shit out again and again and again and again right making those mistakes and trying this out with my life but but with this i've been able to do a 99 kilometer cycle ride the last hundred because I just, you know what, I know I can do this, so I'm not going to finish it. So that happened. <laughs> I, I played paintball representing India in the D4 of the World Cup Asia in Langkawi in Malaysia. I did that. I gave 52 speeches in 52 weeks and I competed to become the world champion of public speaking in Toastmasters. I used the same approach to be a better dad as much as possible to my lovely little baby girl who farts a lot. But I can say this because she's too young to know what the internet is. <laughs> she will see this one day. She'll be like, oh, totally. <laughs> <laughs> but, but again, you know, over time, I realized like, hey, you know, this is gamification, it's game design. And then learned like how to port it to other areas, right? I started off by porting it into user experience design and customer experience design. And, you know, that's... It's fun. When you're designing that system, that's fun. But the implementation, I'm like, I'm done. Please, team, take it away. Again, there's ADHD <laughs> kicking in. And then, you know, about, about in what, 2019, when I stuck out, right, I started this thing called The Way of the Octopus. And it was essentially me trying to start a cult. I didn't know it was a cult, but I definitely designed it like, all you Octolites, I am now here. We are now going to fight the battle for our spirit. And then we're going to fight the battle for... This is actual marketing copy I have written, right? This is how much of an <laughs> idiot I was. But I'm proud of it because I had to get through that crap so that I can write better copy now. But I started with that. And I, I realized, right? Because it's like to survive in the world, you need like these eight Cs, right? Which is charisma, courage, command, community, craft, chaos, change, and there was one more C, I can't remember, right? But then eight Cs, like eight arms of the octopus. And, you know, I, I was trying to sell this, right? So I made like a grand total of like maybe $50 from it. I'm like, yeah, this shit's not working. So again, pivot to like consulting, gamification. But during this time, I was able to like, again, work on that theory and codify it. And that became Put the Player First Framework. Now, in essence, this is how it works, right? Uh, now that you have the, you know, the, the prologue, mm-hmm. here's the real deal. And it'll be very uh, interesting. Dungeons and Dragons, right? This is heavily influenced by Dungeons and Dragons. It's another game that I really, really enjoy. I've been running a game since 2020, and it's like the most amazing fun ever. But typically, in an adventure like that, you would have the player, right? The hero. In the beginning of the game, they are surrounded by monsters on all sides. And these monsters, they really, really make the hero's life miserable, all right? What the hero wants is to defeat these monsters and get to a place like paradise. But they're not able to because they're not powerful enough. One day, they meet a guide, a quest giver, if you will. And that guide says, you know what? Don't you worry, mate. I got you. And what the guide says is like, tells the hero, here are a bunch of different quests that you need to do. And if you do these quests, you will become powerful enough to leave this broken world behind and reach paradise. And I was like, okay, yeah. And for each of these quests, the guide gives the hero a specific weapon designed to defeat a specific monster. And when the hero, when they use it to, when they use this weapon to defeat that monster, they get loot and they level up. 
And if they just go through this loop of these quests, they're finishing up and they're becoming more and more powerful, you know, more and more loot. And finally, they reach paradise. This is a framework of transformation. Okay. It's not just for business. You can apply it for weight loss. You can apply it for becoming really, really awesome at podcasting. You can use that for coding. It doesn't matter. Any, any journey of transformation works. You know, this, this thing mm-hmm. works because this is, this is built on the work of Dr. Joseph Campbell, who did like the hero with a thousand faces and, and the monomyth, right? So that's there. But there are also elements of like game design and, and gamification pulled into this. But this is essentially a way for you to achieve greatness through games. And that was a coaching program I tried to sell in India. But again, Indians don't pay. Foreigners do, which is a very good thing. Because finally, you know, it's like third world. It's not problems, like third world profits, right? And that is freaking mm-hmm. awesome. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to take it. <laughs> so when you apply this, this put the player first framework to business, it becomes that in the beginning, you have the hero. But most businesses, they think that they are the hero. And unfortunately, that is flawed. The customer is the hero. And the customer is surrounded by monsters. These monsters are nothing but problems. And they make the customer miserable. That is the broken world. The customer wants a world where they have no such problems. And that is paradise. And the company, that is you, you become the guide. You are the person who's going to be taking that customer from that broken world all the way to paradise. The way you do that is you literally tell them, here's a to-do list. These are the jobs you need to get done, right? Like again, hinting to the jobs to be done framework. You do, you know, step one, do this, step two, do this, blah, 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 blah. And for each step, that is each quest that your customer, your hero is going to be going on, you will create a weapon. A weapon can be a product, a service, a network, a mindset, a worldview, some sort of an asset. And something that your customer can use to defeat the monster. That is something your customer can use to solve their problem, right? For a specific problem, you'll create a specific weapon, all right? You do Mm -hmm. that. So you give that to the customer and the customer will either buy it from you or you give it to them depending on where they are in the customer's journey. And, you know, once they do this, they get loot and level up. Loot is essentially external rewards, right? Think think measurable metrics. It could be revenue. It could be weight loss. It could be, you know, time saved. It could be, you know, calmness of mind, right? Like, well, calmness of mind is probably an intrinsic one, which again maps to like level up. External things like outside the customer, those are the loot. Inside the customer would be like the level up, right? They're more calmer. Mm-hmm. They're, they're confident. They are happier. They're actually, you know, excited to come into work every day. These are all this thing. And once the customer's done with all of the quests that you have recommended, boom, they end up reaching paradise, a place where they have no such problems, right? Now, the thing is, in this entire journey for a customer to go from the broken world to paradise, there are many others who can take them on the same journey, right? You could take them, I could take them. So what's going to set us apart? There are two other aspects that tie directly to the guide. One is the guide's superpower. Think of it as differentiation, right? What sets the guide apart? What sets you apart from everybody else who can help the customer? And then there is the big bad. The big bad is this abstract negative concept that you have declared war upon, right? For the sake of this business. In my case, it is marketing education is too piecemeal and complicated. And I want to fix that, right? So that my 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 big bad is the fact that marketing education is you know, available in bits and pieces, and it is too complex. I'm like, you know what? Screw that shit. I'm going to destroy that big bad. That is my job as a guide. 
Mm-hmm. So that's what I've been doing. And this is what, what the player first framework is. <sighs> Big Are you breath. still there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think it's it, it actually like kind of answered the first complete question part that I had. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. It kind of answered a lot of stuff. And I also want to say that I was using the put the player first framework version two, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this whole process you have on a on a like a sheet and you can fill and it out yeah. and it's really helpful into getting an idea on what you're actually trying to solve. And what what I just heard from you and the 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 octopus thing kind mm-hmm. of also emphasized that was that this is basically also your sales funnel, right? So you have like, like low hanging fruits, like level one weapons that you can sell and then yes. you get to to higher selling so I have later. a I have I have a better mental model for you to mm-hmm. you know adopt in this thing. Normally, people talk about a product ladder, right? Like, hey, you give mm-hmm. them some you know, low hanging. I think that's bullshit. All right. Instead, <laughs> what you got to give, what you got to think about, is a commitment ladder. All right. Mm-hmm. And a, a key term here is value per second. Like you know how in games we have DPS that is damage per second. Mm-hmm. Here you want to think about VPS that is value per second. Right. In the beginning. You and your customer, you don't have a big bond, right? You don't know them too well. So what you want to do is you want to maximize the value per second as much as possible. Mm-hmm. So you want to give in as much value in as little time as possible. And one of the fastest ways that I know of doing something like that is like a checklist, a cheat sheet, a prompt, a template, or something like that, okay? That is the fastest way to deliver maximum BPS that I can think of. Then, as you're aging and ascending your relationship with your customer, you can give more value, but you can take a little bit more time as well, right? Mm-hmm. You still got to maintain that value per second, but it becomes like a stepladder approach, a right? little bit more value, but a little bit more time, right? Mm-hmm. And this is, again, based on my learning. Remember how I said, like, before April 2023, I wanted to launch a video course? That beast was like freaking four hours long, right? Everybody <laughs> watched the first video and the second. And after that, like, you know what? Chuck it. I'm not going to watch it, right? So. Mm-hmm. I learned from that. I'm like, okay, let's pivot. And then now I have I have a a checklist. Like it's like a one page checklist, so cute. It's about how do you make a one page lead magnet, and it's just flying off the shelf. My my list is <laughs> happy. I'm like, yes, baby, let us do this. <laughs> yeah, but I think that's that's an actual very very cool approach. One thing that you also mentioned or that I found on your website, and I'm not perfectly clear about it, so I'm going to ask is that you're also doing this as a kind of workshop style about personal yeah. branding, about storytelling, about yeah. stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. So remember how I said that the Put the Player First framework is a framework for growth, right? Mm-hmm. And when I go and present this to corporate, you know, learning and development, they're like, oh, this is so nice. Can you do this for us? Like, yes, how much are you going to pay me, right? So <laughs> selling to corporates, it's, it's good to keep the lights on, right? So mm-hmm. one thing I'm learned is one for the kitchen and one for the soul. I do do a lot of corporate workshops, but now I've reached ramen profitability without 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 needing to rely on corporate workshops mm-hmm. because they are a a different beast, right? Mm-hmm. Because like okay, a smart bear, Jason Cohen, right? One of the people from WP Engine. Do do you know who he is? Mm, his name okay. kind of rings a bell, but I can't. I'm not he sure writes I'm some sure. of the most amazing stuff, right? And one idea mm-hmm. that he's written that I've, you know, really, really espoused is the concept of an SLC. That is, instead of a minimum viable product or an MVP, you make mm-hmm. something that is simple, lovable, and complete. Mm-hmm. An SLC, right? I love that. And uh, yeah, yeah, 
and kind of like changes the way you're going to be thinking about the products that you're shipping as well, right? Mm-hmm. And so what ended up happening was that I've, I've I launched my corporate workshops with an SLC, right? And they loved it. And, you know, it was working well. It, it used, like, I have an s- average rating of 4.9 out of 5 after training, like, about 1,600 odd, you know, working professionals in mm-hmm. this, in corporate environments. But then a learning and development uh, client comes up, like, yeah, so you know what? You've already done this before. Can you, like, come up with something new? I'm like, I have 4.9 out of 5. Your, your employees, they love me. They revere me. They ask to come and take selfies with me. I'm a freaking demigod to them. But <laughs> yeah, you know, we can't do the same thing again. I'm like, I will get back to you. And <laughs> it's on my to do list somewhere. So I will get around to it. <laughs> Sorry, man. You know, it's, it's so tangent. Um, ADHD often comes paired with something called RSD, which is rejection sensitivity dysphoria, right? Mm-hmm. Which means that when when there is either actual or perceived rejection of myself, or you know, I don't know what is happening somewhere, my head just goes on freaking overdrive, right? It's it's I'm talking like Technicolor, right? It's just it's just spitting out of control. I'm like, oh, how could they do this to me? I will end their dynasty, you know. That kind of crazy shit goes on in my head. And in that situation, I'm like, I couldn't take that rejection, you know? And which is, which is very dumb because I'm in marketing, right? I have to talk to people every day and getting rejected is, it's like, it's like almost like a, like a default requirement. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like shifting away and I've become like ramen profitable just doing B2C mm-hmm. instead of B2B. And also one thing that I admire and kind of am terrified about because I kind mm-hmm. of I subscribed for for a while, then I had to re- unsubscribe because how my mm-hmm. brain works. You're actually doing a daily newsletter, and you always oh, yeah. have good content on this. And I'm yeah. still I'm still wondering how you even get ideas to talk about this Dude, every day. This is like the easiest thing on the planet. <laughs> all right, here's how. Okay, remember the put the player first framework, right? You have a hero. They have a bunch of monsters that are messing up mm-hmm. and making a broken world, and you as the guide are making weapons to defeat monsters to get them loot and level up and take them to paradise, right? This is the the one sentence. For each of these nodes, okay, you use explosive questions. That is, who, Mm -hmm. what, when, where, why, and how. And one of my recent clients, they told me that these are not explosive questions, but they are Aristotle's questions. I'm like, all right, exploding Aristotle's questions. All right, so (laughs) what ends up happening is, let's say, let's say, let's talk about Schreiberling, right? You built it out to help people write marketing copy, okay? Mm -hmm. So, I'm assuming the target audience was uh, small business phone founders, indie exactly, hackers, yeah. mm-hmm. right? Now, let's take one of the problems that indie hackers have is they struggle to write copy, okay? Mm-hmm. Then that was, you know, one of the problems that Schreiberling was trying to solve. Is, is that accurate? Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we've identified that indie hackers struggle to write copy as one of the monsters. Now, I can take that concept and multiply it by who, what, when, where, why, and how, right? So mm-hmm. then let's say if I'm multiplying this by who, Right? Who are the kind of indie hackers who struggle to write copy? Then, you know, that is the question that you get. You get that as a prompt, all right? Now, your job is to, like, literally just answer that prompt, right? So you would say, well, there are many different kinds of indie hackers. There are people who are uh, hardcore operators, right? As in, you know, they're just focusing on running the business. And the main way that they get, you know, they do their marketing or, or distribution is by partnerships and collaborations. They usually don't struggle with marketing copy. And then you have the marketers, you know, the people with such fantastic, handsome faces like Arvin, and they don't struggle with marketing at all, right? Because, I mean, look at that face. Who wouldn't want, like, shut up and take my money. But then we have we have the forgotten heroes, right? The, the coders, the developers, the ones who make, you know, bend computers to do their will. For mm-hmm. them, they operate in a different world, right? For them, it is hard. 
because, and then you would give like one, two, three reasons, right? You would say mm -hmm. it's because the it's it's not it's it's not a logical thing. It's more of a heuristic thing that's happening. The feedback loop is really long, and there is there are no rules. There's just guidelines, right? So it kind of like transcends. It leaves the the space of rules, which is computers and programming, and goes in the space of art, and it's very very frustrating. All right, so. You started off with one problem, Schreiberling, which is so, mm -hmm. what Schreiberling solving, which is indie hackers struggle to write copy. You multiply that by who, and then you know we got that prompt by a little bit of massaging, and then you came up with like you know three reasons why, and then you know you, you had like a bulleted outline of it, right? Mm -hmm. But here's the beautiful bit. All right, you've written this. Okay, now you have a natural transition to plug in your product, right? So now you, you've said all of this, right? Now, if you are an indie hacker who is struggling to write marketing copy, I have built Schreiberling, and it does blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. If you'd like a trial, click this link. You see this? So, and that is the beauty of this framework. Like, I, it blows my mind every time I think about it because everything is coming from the customer, right? You're putting the player mm -hmm. first, right? In this game, the customer is the player. And because you put them first, the monsters are derived from the customer. The broken world is derived from the monsters which are derived from the customer. The weapons are derived from the monsters which are again derived from the customer. Right? The loot and level up, again, derived from the monster which is derived from the customer. Everything starts with the customer and everything is customer focused. And asking these questions, you will get like content that your customer is interested in. Okay? Mm -hmm. And then it gives you a natural segue, a transition to plug in your own product. So let's say... Uh, about eight, eight different nodes. There's the hero, there's the monster, there's a the broken world, there's loot, there's level up, there is weapons, right? Okay, let's say mm -hmm. six, all right? Six, six different nodes and assume that you have like a conservative estimate of let's say about five different entries for each. Okay, that's already like 30 mm -hmm. entries. And then you multiply them by six for who, what, when, where, why, and how. That's 30 into six is 180, okay? 180 different questions. And add... Like, no one's going to remember this stuff, right? Like, six months later, mm -hmm. you will know this because you're living this. So I just repeat that every six months. I'm like, I'm golden. Like, I don't have to think. Mm -hmm. It's it's just... That's it's actually cheat codes, a brilliant man. marketing content idea, right? Because you it's always have something to write about. Marketing style. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. And yeah. I think, actually, right now we're more... Like, Schreiberling is still a thing that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a mm -hmm. new UI design lined up that I need to implement now. But also, we're working on Repodcasted, which is actually using this podcast to test it. So, <laughs> so it's the yes. same thing, pretty much, right? You, you much. kind of reuse the content as much as you can. And that's basically also the product, which is mm -hmm. making f f going from audio to other contents mm -hmm. and using it's AI beautiful. for that. You know, I, I, I've written this concept called a fractal content, right? Which is pretty much this, have a conversation mm -hmm. with someone about your topic. And then like, this was before we had like AI to do all this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So that you extract that audio, sorry, take that video, like you know, record on a Zoom call, mm -hmm. extract the audio and video, transcribe the audio so that you know you get like a blog post and then summarize that blog post into multiple like tweets and, and, exactly. and like LinkedIn yeah. posts and etc and uh, wait is that what repodcasters does that is what repodcasted does Shit, yeah. when can i buy it <laughs> so I'm um, in in the whole indie hacker way i'm still doing freelancing like five days a week so mm -hmm. the deadline to actually publish something and it needs to be launched then is end of the year but i'm trying mm -hmm. to go for before christmas so people will actually see it start of <laughs> december i hope you can uh -huh. you can sign I'll up buy it, mate. sign me up give me a wait list i will buy it <laughs> i'm serious because like, that's one of the reasons why you know i like 
past week, I've been like my latest rabbit hole is uh, which video conversion software should I use, right? Because mm -hmm. sometimes with Riverside, I've had like audio and video go out of sync, right? Mm -hmm. And then I thought like, hey, maybe I should go for Descript, right? But Descript hates OBS virtual camera and I can't record without mm -hmm. that. So I'm like, you know what, Chuck it, I'm not going to use Descript. But then they have Squadcast. And then I tried out like Veed.io. There is Wondershare Filmora. There is, there's, there's so many of the things. But what you're doing is exactly what I want. I want to like upload a video. I want to get it like chopped up and say, hey, here are some shorts. Here's your blog post. Take it and go. That is all I want. <laughs> that is pretty much what we're trying to build. We're, we're doing it for podcast first. That's what, mm -hmm. that's the name, right? Um, right? So you will be able to just dump your rss feed in there and then you can Ooh. select an episode to say i want to have content for this and uh -huh. then we're starting to generate like blog posts ideas the biggest learnings awesome. from the episode stuff mm -hmm. like that yeah Fantastic. then you can write tweets like i'm already testing this thing for myself with this podcast mm -hmm. i have it as a cli tool but it's going to be a, a small SaaS business just so yeah. that you know other non-technical Indie hackers, you know, no. Well, just can you can you tell everybody what CLI means? <laughs> that, that means that I can run it locally from my console. So it's a console interface. Software. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Me hacker. <laughs> yeah, so it, it already exists, and it actually it's, right. it's, it is writing tweets for me. So if you check my my Twitter feed, you will find tweets about the biggest learnings of every episode of this podcast, and that's Man, already the pro the program extra. pretty much. Have you seen and, that cartoon as a kid? Which one? Centurions. No. It used to come oh. on Cartoon Network. So they had this this phrase, right? Man and machine, power, <laughs> extreme. That is so cool. I mean, that's getting more true every day now with AI-generated stuff. Yeah. yeah. Getting getting back to you and Beth. we're gonna we're gonna stop the ad break for uh, my new podcast podcasting tool at this point and getting into the marketing. See, this is the best kind of marketing, right? Where yeah. it, it doesn't feel like marketing. It's it's being generally being like. Shut up and take my body, you know? I will come back launch, to you in December. I can launch, promise that. Launch. <laughs> We're going into a more kind of marketing-focused mm -hmm. questions to get our indie hacking listeners a little bit of value out of this for what they, what they themselves can do. So I know this question is really, really hard, but I still had it in here. What's mm -hmm. like the one thing an indie hacker needs to do for marketing to get the product in front of interested people? What's like one thing I can do for sure? Make shit people want. Right. That's in fact my Twitter bio. No, I'll, I'll tell you, right. It's I've been I've been in this place where I built stuff because it's fun for me. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you build SaaS. I build a video course like right now in my Google Drive. I have a course that says be fearless. It's about how to be very confident and charismatic. All right. Mm -hmm. There is like literally like there's nobody wants that. But I, I <laughs> built it because it's fun for me. Right. I, I built out like uh, past year. Right. I have pivoted so many different times because I have experimented with workshops. I have experimented with video courses. I've experimented with one-on-one uh, -on -one clarity calls. I've experimented with selling PDFs, all of this stuff. Right. And it just comes back to this one thing, make shit that people want. Right. Mm -hmm. Because making people want the shit that you built is very, very hard. All right. Now, the best way that I know how to do this, there are actually like two ways that I'm going to share with you. Number, actually, no, three, because the third one's going to be a plug. <laughs> the first one is to check out the concept of the mom test written by Rob Fitzpatrick. And there's also Lean Customer Development by Cindy Alvarez. Two amazing books that are absolutely breathtaking when it comes to figuring out shit that you want, right? Like, basically, it kind of ties back 
I'm now I'm combining the stuff that I learned in both the books, as well as my experience in design thinking and running design thinking workshops, right? The British Council of Design, they have this concept of the double diamond theory, right? So it's like, when you start with a problem, first, you want to go on a divergence phase, right? So mm-hmm. you're expanding and you're brainstorming a bunch of different ideas. And then once you've you know, got all of that, then you want to go to a convergence phase where you are narrowing down and you define the problem really well. Right. And then again, you're going out in the convergence phase where you're trying to figure out the solution, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can test out a bunch of different solutions. And then again, you have a convergence to identify what is the chosen solution. This as an approach for indie hacking would be ridiculously awesome because think about mm-hmm. it. You would have in the first divergence, like the opening part of the first diamond, you would figure out like, hey, what are all the different problems that I would love to solve, right? Like, for example, in my head right now in my life, if I could code, I would build an a procedurally generated map generator for D&D, right? Because that's something mm-hmm. I want. I would build an an AI taskmaster, like some some something like back in the day, we used to have this thing called Bonzi Buddy. Pretty sure that was like spyware or some, some crap. It would have like a gorilla sitting on your desktop. It would start talking to you like, you know, like it is now 12 o'clock, right? It would do shit like that. But imagine that with AI, like, like Microsoft Clippy, but living on your desktop mm-hmm. and asking like, hey, are you done with this? You should be done with this, right? What the hell are you doing? You'd be browsing on on like like this this Diablo 4 subreddit for the past 45 minutes. Get back to work. Like shit like that. Like, like the ADHD accountability bot. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> right. And then like maybe something like a like a wingman, right? Like, okay, right now I'm working on a sales pitch for something, right? And maybe this thing could go and like, oh, you know what? Maybe you should have considered this as well. And you know, pops up. Like mm-hmm. these are all things that I wish that I could build. The first one's not chat GPT wrapper, but I don't think that's a bad thing, right? Because if you're solving yeah. a problem, it's it's important, right? So whoever says that's a bad thing, I'm sorry. I don't know if I could have sworn. Believe no, me. We can. Yeah. Yeah. I sorry about that. <laughs> it's my <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I feel very strongly about that, right? Anybody who is dissing somebody else because of how they're solving a problem is just, is just bullshit. Because mm-hmm. if you're solving a problem, that's all that matters, right? Well, you know, that's t- these are things that I wish I could do. But in the this is the divergence phase. So when I'm figuring out what are the different problems that I can do. But that that first convergence where you're eliminating or prioritizing, not eliminating, prioritizing, right? Saying that I'm going to solve this thing first. And then in a, in a six-day week, I'm going to spend one day working on this. Uh, I call it Balika Bakra, which translates to uh, a sacrificial lamp, right? Mm-hmm. I always need a project that I will never complete so that I can focus on my other stuff, which I actually need to do, right? So mm-hmm. this is like like... I can I can have my chocolate if I if I eat my beets. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like yeah, sure. I, I, you have a fun yeah. project that you always can yes. work on if you want to. Yes. So you concentrate on the other one more. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You know, even if this thing doesn't get done, it's mm-hmm. it's okay, right? So you could like theoretically, you could be working on like two projects, but one for the kitchen and one for the soul, right? Mm-hmm. Like the one that you want to like get to pay the bills, get in front of your customers, right? Now there are two ways that I would recommend that. Number one, and it's you know more palatable to most indie hackers get a landing page up and throw traffic to it, right? Mm-hmm. Now, throwing traffic at it can happen a variety of different ways. It could be by doing warm outreach when you're posting about your content. Let's say you're building in public, right? And you're posting about the progress that you have as content, that you're sharing a screenshot or something. And let's say that, you know, you, you posted something about repodcasted, right? I'm like, oh shit, cool, man. How does this work? Now, if I've commented on this, it's like a tiny hand raise saying that, hey, I am interested in this. Mm-hmm. And you can reach out to me on DMs and say, hey, you know, I saw that, you know, you, you're asking about this, blah, 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 blah. This is what Repodcast is this. And you can use that to start a conversation. And over that conversation, you can say, hey, you know what? Here's the link to the wait list. Join, you know, and I'll mm-hmm. let you know when it's up. 
it's it's what what Paul Graham says, right? Like, do shit that doesn't scale. I mean, he doesn't say that. He's like, do things that don't scale, but do shit that doesn't scale would make like a much better sticker. <laughs> so we're gonna go with that. So you gotta do, like I've sent like over three hundred personalized video DMs. Okay, like I literally go on mm-hmm. Komodo and I'm like recording myself talking to the camera like a freaking moron. But but I'm at fifteen hundred MRR and I'm freaking happy. <laughs> I was actually I was part of that uh, cohort of videos, right? You you did a, you did a sales review of my of one of my landing pages, so that yeah. worked. We are in this podcast because you uh, one of the reasons is that you yes. did that video. So yeah. yes, yes, uh, that's I completely forgot about that. But the second thing is to like do work for them, even if they mm-hmm. don't pay you, right? I'm like, hey, for me, it's it took me what like five minutes, ten minutes tops, right? But now I have a friendship. And, you know, when you do visit India, you have a home, right? So <laughs> it's an absolute freaking win, right? So that's that's the second way. Warm outreach is a good one. And then when you're creating content, like first warm outreach is like you just reach out to people that you know, like, hey, come on, right? Mm-hmm. And, and test this out. Second one is whenever someone's interacting with your content, you, they're hand raised and then you have a conversation with them, right? And over time, you build up a... Uh, an, an email list, right? Now, here's this is the thing that I learned from Nathan Berry, right? He hosted all of his projects under his own name, right? So mm-hmm. it was nathanberry.com slash you know, some 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 book he had, some some courses he did, blah blah blah. What that helped him do was build one solidified email list, so that you know he mm-hmm. can keep the world apprised of his projects. Same thing that Derek Sivers, you know, does. Everything's under his own name, right? It's not like different different brands uh, you can do that but every time you're starting off with a new brand it's like you're starting from scratch and that's, mm-hmm. that's that's hard finally if you have money you know spend it on ads or sponsorships of newsletters and send traffic that way and if you get like more than like 40 percent or 35 percent conversion you're golden right so you know that people want this otherwise you can say mm-hmm. you know what oops didn't get this i'm now moving on to the next project so that's that's one way of doing it second is to do the hard thing where you're reaching out to put you identify your ideal customers and then you reach out to them and say hey i am trying to build some like you would for for repodcasted device mm-hmm. you would reach out to content creators you would reach out to podcasters and say hey i am building a solution in in a way that allows like i'm building something that will help you get more marketing mileage from your podcasts mm-hmm. and since you have such and such podcast and you know it's been running for such and such time would you be able to spare 30 minutes to answer my uh, questions you know i want to mm-hmm. ask you because you seem to be the right person for it and i promise i won't sell anything to you on this call okay and if you are like me and you're cheeky you might add but I might try to sell to you later because that, that humor really helps. <laughs> see, see? Yeah, but that's really uh, nice copywriting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a gift. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, we could talk about copywriting for another complete episode, I think, because yeah. I'm really interested in that as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you reach out to those people and then you do like the whole mom test slash lead customer development approach, right? And then, you know, when you when you take that and then you combine it with what Kevon teaches in built-in public mastery, right? Like the whole building in public uh, concept, it's, it's, it's marketing without needing to use, you know, Aristotle's exploding questions, right? Because mm-hmm. that is also marketing. Now, imagine you use that along with, you know, these, these, these updates that you're giving. Your biggest problem they're like, holy shit, I have too much content. Not enough, you know, <laughs> not not enough yeah. content. So it's like, seriously, like how many times a day are you going to post? Like five times, six times? <laughs> it is it is, it is a tsunami, you know? So that's the second way. And the third way, and you know, I have, I'm still on the fence because I haven't done the work to form an opinion on this, mm-hmm. but it is to essentially copy other people's ideas, right? Now, 
in, you know, if you're talking from a purely capitalistic sense, if an idea is working, it is obviously going to invite copycats, mm-hmm. right? But, okay, so that's that's one side of the problem, right? And therefore, it is acceptable to do that. On the other side, I personally am terrified of releasing my idea because, oh, what if they copy it? Because, like, you know, like like somebody with like more budgets, more skill, more speed can, you know, ship it, launch and iterate, right? Mm-hmm. And so... But finding a successful idea and then either bundling it with something or unbundling it, you know, into like its component parts is an option as well. And to address the the, the fear that I have, like, oh, shit, what if people copy it? My response, my strategy to address that is to say, you know what? You can build the app, but you won't get this 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 flavor that is Arvind, mm-hmm. right? You can't get this <laughs> shit. Come on, look at this. It's freaking awesome, yo. Never, never matched that copywriting skill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not for long, at least. I mean, uh, AI has been trained on so much of stuff. No, but the point mm-hmm. is, at this time, you're now selling an experience, not a product or a service, mm-hmm. right? And that that is inimitable. So, yeah, that's that's what I was thinking. One thing. That I'm that I'm still struggling with is this thought of creating the product in my mind, right? So mm-hmm. I have an idea what the product mm-hmm. should be, and mm-hmm. I'm doing maybe the mom test with a few interviews and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of people recommend not building the product, mm-hmm. no MVP, nothing. Mm-hmm. You're just building a landing page mm-hmm. with a waitlist link, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And I'm still struggling with this thought of selling something that doesn't exist. What's mm-hmm. what's your opinion on that? Yeah, you're a good guy and you're not on sales. So thank <laughs> God for that. Nah, jokes aside, I think that is a very viable way to test the market and see mm-hmm. if this actually works. It's the same thing, right? Like throwing traffic at a landing page and seeing what it is that's before you build it, right? That is exactly yeah, what exactly. I was recommending mm-hmm. as well. I have done that, but look, I'm a pseudo marketer, okay? The sense that, yes, you know how I said I was a coconut, like like brown on the outside, white on the inside? <laughs> I'm kind of weird like this too. Like I'm a developer on the inside and a marketer on the outside, right? I like to build shit. So mm. I am going to build stuff. I, I will do marketing along the way. I just happen to write words and sort of code, you know? So Yeah, but I that's exactly support. how I feel. That, they, yeah. that I'm just, lo- I love building this stuff and mm-hmm. I don't really want to just sell landing pages un- until something sticks. Mm-hmm. That's my mm-hmm. thought about that, yeah. Yeah. So it essentially boils down to how many more experiments can you afford, right? I, ha- I have a baby girl. I have, I have loan repayments to take care of. I have, you know, a wife who is breathing down my neck to make money. So I need, I need, I need stuff to, you know, succeed. So mm-hmm. to increase my odds of success, I am, I'm very serious about making this my main revenue source. And for that to happen, I, I need to improve the odds of success as much as possible. I need to, you know, stack the deck in my favor. And if doing this is going to help me, I will do that. But mm-hmm. this is the advice I tell everybody, right? But the advice that I follow for myself is I'm definitely throwing up a landing page, but I'm also going to stay up for like three nights to build it myself so that, <laughs> look, I'm telling you, man, building shit is fun, Okay. But yeah, you know, there, there's some wisdom to this marketing stuff. I'm I'm trying to get there myself. And then one thing uh, I was wondering about, I was just looking at your Twitter feed and you right now gave away content for free, which was uh, how to sell on a call without feeling icky. That was like the yep. last thing you yes. gave out. Um, yes. And you're giving out a lot of your stuff for free mm-hmm. and you, mm-hmm. people can gain a lot of value from your Twitter feed as it is without mm-hmm. paying any money. And you all yes. should go follow of it at this moment. Yeah. <laughs> 
how is your experience with this? Like, how easily do people then transform from consuming just the free stuff to going to paid or to going to workshops and right. your old product? So, very, very good question, right? And that leads to another epiphany I had in the past eight months or so, right? Mm -hmm. Because in the beginning, I was selling out products for like five dollars, ten dollars, fifteen dollars, like thinking like, oh, it's very cheap, right? And therefore, people would, you know, tons and tons of people would buy it, right? Mm -hmm. And I had a couple of challenges there. One, I didn't have nearly enough distribution to make that, you know, practical. And second, I'm in India, right? And and the value of $15 in India versus, you know, what it would be in, let's say, Europe versus what mm -hmm. it would be in the US is very different, right? And and I come from a very conservative Indian family and we've been like, oh, you should save every month and shit like that, right? And I'm like, oh, $15, that is like so much of money, right? <laughs> That's what I was that's what I was thinking. Mm -hmm. And the crazy thing was that when that happened, I, I was really struggling, right? Because I was trying to sell the small stuff and then, you know, it wasn't working. Then I spoke to my mentor. I, I have mentors in like many different fields. And this guy, he's an extremely loud potty mouth and he was drunk and he's like, you bleep, 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 bleep. Why are you selling such cheap products? You know, why don't you start at the other end? I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, what if I did? What if I did? So I then designed a high ticket coach. I, this is not high ticket, by the way. I'm just calling it a high ticket, but mm -hmm. like 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 a six month coaching program for like five thousand dollars, right? And when when I sold like you know one of those, I was like, shit, this is not this is easy. And now <laughs> I just have to like sell one, and I can I can like right now I work for eight hours a week, mate. That's it. Like that's mm -hmm. like one day in a week, and then. Rest of the time, like obviously doing marketing and like I'm mm -hmm. talking like including delivery, right? Yeah, Rest, sure. Like yeah. most of my time goes off and like freaking out like invoices and accounting because mm -hmm. that is that is my Achilles heel. I just don't get that shit, right? But <laughs> I'm 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 learning Python now so that I can be like a real indie hacker. Like like you know, there's like a full Pinocchio story happening. But the point is that when I'm selling a high ticket item, it buys me a lot of time, right? And it gives me a lot of energy as well. Mm -hmm. And it fuels, it enables me to give more and more valuable stuff to people who are not paying me any money. Now, for example, two weeks ago, I launched a Discord server, right? I'm calling it Haven. Mm -hmm. It's puttheplayerfirst.com slash Haven. And it is a completely free server. And that's where I'm doing these workshops, right? Again, with ADHD, you know what will be fun? Weekly workshops. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm like, shit, now I've got to do it. And I've been no, doing it. Do it. I've been doing <laughs> Yeah, that's it. You've got to do it. So four weeks, four workshops, and it's working beautifully, right? Number of people attending, number of people engaging. It's it's going up. And I'm very, very happy about that. But all of this is possible because I have like seven or eight clients who are paying me money, high mm -hmm. ticket money, right? Instead of me needing to sell like a $10 product or something. My dreams, actually, you know what? Before I go to my dreams, but this is not like all hunky-dory because I am terrified as well. Because if one client leaves, I'm below ramen profitability, right? It's a lot of money, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And when that happens, I'm like, okay, you know, I need more. I need more. I need mm -hmm. more. But instead of going more, 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 what I'm trying to do is I'm, I'm coming to like the more B2C mass, like, like the typical SaaS product as well. So Code Academy and I'm learning Python. Actually, I'm learning SaaS right now, which is crazy. But yes, watch out. <laughs> so you're, so you're actually trying to get into the the SaaS world now as an as, as a developer. Of course. Yes, I would be very very interested to see what you come up with. What what's the SaaS that that Arvind builds? Is there already an it idea? It is for crazy that, inside here. Okay, <laughs> some of it is definitely not like PG thirteen, PG eighteen, whatever. But 
hey, it's a big wide world out there and everybody's got mm -hmm. money. I mean, if you have AI friends, what else can you do with AI? Right? But mine's most probably going to be focused on the ADHD space mm -hmm. because again, that's, you know, that's like, scratching my own itch, but there's a massive demand. There's this guy, ADHD Jesse, and he's got mm -hmm. like a massive following. I'm like, shit, dude, this is, this is not, I, I would give him like 50%, 90% commissions just to get people onto my platform. And imagine that, okay, 90%. Let's say, let's say that I'm selling a, a $10 a month subscription, okay? Mm -hmm. that, and I, I would say for everybody who signs up, I will give you $20, okay? I, mm -hmm. I can do this. Because even if like majority of people, even if they leave after a month, that's okay. Because some people, they'll stay for two months, three months or something. And maybe in like about four months or so or five months, I would break even. Mm -hmm. And suddenly I would have this massive list of people who are interested in this product. And now I can sell, I can ask the guys, what do you want me to build next? And then and make that bigger, higher ticket bigger, stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So one thing that I want to we have a lot of questions, and I'm trying please, to please. cram all of them in one hour, and it's not working. But um, <laughs> one thing I'm really, lot. one thing I'm really interested in is how do we, like your newsletter is obviously mm -hmm. for free and stuff, mm -hmm. but how do we get people to, or how can I myself? So sorry, creating the question. So the question is, I'm obviously an expert in something. Most mm -hmm. people are, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. there is value in pretty much everyone writing a newsletter. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. how do you get people, one, interested in it, and two, maybe uh, mm -hmm. getting people to pay for it? Mm -hmm. I can't really think okay. about that. I do not know how to get people to pay for a newsletter uh, because I've never monetized one. But if I were to do that, right, it needs to give. So there are a couple of paid newspaper newsletters that I have been a part of. And the most famous one and the one that has benefited me the most was the email players newsletter. It's run by a guy called Ben Settle, and he teaches about email marketing, except he sends that newsletter as a printed document by Courier or FedEx, Okay, which mm -hmm. is insane, right? But it teaches all about like email marketing and how I can, you know, make my email marketing really, really awesome. If you were to sell something as a as a newsletter, the the concept of how you would price something for a SaaS versus how you'd price for something, it's it's essentially the same because it comes to a conversation about value, right? And mm -hmm. value comes in like three formats as far as I'm concerned. I'm not talking about SaaS, I'm talking about informational value, but mm -hmm. it could apply to SaaS as well. First one is educational, right? Where you're telling them what, you're telling them why, you're telling them how to do something, right? That is educational content, that is educational value. Then you have inspirational value, which is like mindset and and you can do it. And like Tony Robbins and, and Jocko Willing style videos, right? So mm -hmm. that is inspirational. And then you have entertainment, like think like stand up or think like those those weird <laughs> NPC videos on TikTok, right? It's, it's crazy <laughs> shit. Dude, that, that thing exists. Thank God I don't have TikTok in India. I am so mm. happy living in this nice, <laughs> naive little bubble. But that's the thing. I'm like, shit. Anyways. Yeah, that was really weird. <laughs> I'm like... You, you look, you see that meme of Marlon Brando? Look how they massacred my boy. NPC, mate. That is, that is so mm -hmm. beautiful and important in my world of, you know, RPGs and all that. And they turned it into, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm feeling a bit emotional. <laughs> Should we take but, a break? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but it comes down to value, right? The, so it's like either expert knowledge it's maybe it's access, maybe it's packaged into something. If you wanted to learn more about how to do this, I would recommend there's this one fantastic developer turned marketer guy, and his name is Jonathan Stark. Mm -hmm. He writes at jonathanstark.com. 
he writes some of the most amazing stuff ever. And he also sends out a daily email, right? Mm -hmm. And it is just beautiful. And he also runs like a community sort of a thing. So that's, that's something that's there. So that was one part. How do you monetize this thing, right? And the second one was, how do you get people to join? Right. Mm -hmm. There Which are I find even of, more more interesting because I always think about doing a newsletter, but I'm also like the question in my mind is always, but who's going to read it? Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it comes back to the, the two schools of thought on this. All right. One is I want to credit this to Eve Chapman. I meant I saw her mention this on Twitter. Mm -hmm. She doesn't offer a lead magnet or something. Right. She just wants people to join the newsletter because you know they're interested in what she has to say. Right. So extending that. I think it's important to understand the different, like every piece of content you create has a job to be done, right? It is to either incentivize people to follow you, to sell something, to direct their attention somewhere, or get them to take action, right? Now, when you're having a piece of content, you ideally want to have it in one of four buckets, right? One is proof of competence, something that shows that you know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Second is some sort of storytelling. It could be an anecdote, you know, and then you give them some sort of a thought starter because stories and anecdotes are fun because we're all... <clears throat> undercover warriors anyway, right? So we want to, that, that peek into other people's lives. Third would be sales content, right? Where you're explicitly talking about your stuff. And the fourth would be personality slash brand content, right? So when, mm. when I'm posting images of Diablo and shit like that, right? So that's, that's <laughs> me, right? So four pieces of four types of content, you post this out. When one of these resonates, people have a way, a place to go. That's, you know, Extending what Eve Chapman said. And then on the other end of the spectrum is tools like Beehive and, and Sparkloop and shit like that, which I hate. I hate full stop, right? I think it's, it's, it's a bane. I'll tell you why, okay? Because that shit is geared towards messing with the smaller creator, okay? Mm -hmm. Tell you what, like, let's say, you know, you have, let's say I'm like a big, you know, very, very popular creator and you're just starting out, okay? Mm -hmm. I'm asking you to recommend me and you know what happens? You would recommend me and, you know, when someone joins your list, they presented an option to join my list. That's awesome. But later, let's say that, you know, there's, I'm selling something and you're selling something. I'm a much bigger creator. I can pull off shit that you can only dream of, right? Mm -hmm. I, can, I can have like a coordinated marketing campaign with like 10 other top creators and we would say like, hey, you know what? Forget, forget, forget repodcasting, right? You should try re-repodcasting. And I can leave you out in the cold, but I have your audience on my list. And you, mm -hmm. you know, you see that, right? Your audience is a subset of mine. And that shit's messed up. And this is not new. In the earlier days of the, the yucky, not yucky, like the more aggressive, I think yucky is a wrong term. I apologize for saying that. The more aggressive style of marketing, right? This, this shit would happen all the time. Right? People would swap mm -hmm. lists, but the bigger creator gets all the benefits. So I'm like, stay away from that. So that's the other end of the spectrum. In between is, is where we can find that balance, right? Where we give something, our small weapon designed to defeat a very specific monster with a very high value per second. And when you have that, they'll be like, you know what? I'm going to take a risk because this is not going to take more than two minutes. And with that, when you win their trust and you continue to deliver that trust, you're golden. Hmm. And you can never complain that you don't have content because you know about exploding Aristotle's <laughs> questions. Yeah, I think I get that problem that problem solved now in this podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> one more question in marketing part, and I know that's a really hard one again because I think mm -hmm. it's a very personal thing as well. But I'm really involved into copywriting right now. I think it's one mm -hmm. of the most important things for landing pages as well. Mm -hmm. How how can we start to learn to do this? It's so hard to not sound like the perfect standard marketing text and instead 
do something like you do where you actually sound like you like your own mm -hmm. voice mm -hmm. and i think it's very hard to develop how can we start writing interesting copywriting this is not a paid sponsorship or a plot <laughs> but i have found audiopen.ai mm -hmm. to be a very very useful tool Okay. It's amazing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The reason for that is, is, is not that I have a lifetime membership and I got it when it first launched, which is freaking awesome. Me too. Not that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually, I, I reached out to Lewis to come on the podcast yeah. and we're going to probably make an episode as well. So yeah. awesome. we're going to hear more about this on the podcast. <laughs> Super duper cool. Uh, I think it comes down to write like you talk, right? Um, mm -hmm. There's a wonderful quote by Ira Glass and I'm paraphrasing here. It says that when you want to do something, for example, right now, you're looking to learn copywriting right? And mm -hmm. what's gotten you into this is because you have a certain taste, a certain style. But right now, your style is up here, but your skill is, is not here. Mm -hmm. For your skill to go from here, like which is low, to match the level of your style, to, to match the expectations that you have, you have a bunch of crap inside you that needs to get out, right? Mm -hmm. And the only way that happens is through practice, right? Mm -hmm. So practice, practice, practice. Now, that being said, how can you actually do this? I have found that there is this thing called Write or Die. Okay, It's, mm -hmm. a, it's a website. And I think it's, it's a desktop app as well. Or, or even uh, Cold Turkey Writer. Okay, These are two applications where mm -hmm. I have to keep on writing. And if I stop writing, the entire page goes off. That's a very, very good uh, motivator. And with Cold Turkey Writer, it ends up being that until I finish writing for X number of minutes or mm -hmm. X number of words, I can't leave the application. Like Alt-Tab doesn't work in like Windows, right? Oh, this forces you to develop. <laughs> <laughs> so you're right, right? And, and what ends up happening yeah. is that you need this in the beginning for the habit to set in. But mm. once the habit sets in, then it's just a practice of writing, writing, writing. I'm not a formally trained copywriter. I, my, like back in the day, I would like record stuff. Like I would have like a digital recorder, like back in like 2008, 2009. I would talk into that. And then I would then transcribe it by hand, right? Mm. That was the kind of stuff that I've done. And I'm a firm believer of writing like you talk. And you can see me, right? This is like, like the way I am at home. And the way I am here, the only difference is that I'm wearing a shirt. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> You're making so many good quotes for the podcast. <laughs> I know, I know. Ka-ching, baby. That said, there is a copywriting Discord server. I think it's called, there, there are a bunch of free copywriting courses available. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to try and dig it out if I can find it, right? There it is. And it's the show notes, yeah. Yeah? Okay, yeah. I will. I will get you that. It's from the Copywriting Collective. And it's from, it's called www.copythatshow.com slash how to start copywriting. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's typical ADHD fashion. It is something that I will get to someday, but I've skimmed <laughs> through it and it seems to be solid. They're not asking any money for it. I'm not affiliated to them in any which way, but I think that's a good way to get started. Mm hmm perfect awesome also we marketers are freaking liars okay we will make it feel like oh god it's so complicated no, bullshit all right right like you talk you're gonna be okay perfect thank you we have one small thing for the for before we go to the finishing questions which is that we want to talk about the adhd part sure. <laughs> of your business Bring um, it. 
So just as a reminder, you have ADHD. I am a gifted adult, it's called, which uh, mm -hmm. comes with uh, positives and negatives, which is why, mm -hmm. I, or why I even got tested for it. So we share some struggles in that we can't mm -hmm. concentrate on stuff that is very routine. And for example, the one that you just mentioned in the beginning, that you live in chaos, that works. Mm -hmm. But if you have a deadline that's three weeks out, it doesn't work. <laughs> so <laughs> what's like, what's the, what's having a business for you? And how do you, how has ADHD shaped your business and how do you cope with it? A uh, little bit of background, right? So yeah. when, when I got diagnosed, I was 36, okay, when mm -hmm. I got diagnosed with ADHD. And until then, I was constantly beating myself up, saying, like, I'm an absolute failure. I can't, I can't make this thing work. And I was, I was at the edge, you know, I was like ready to do something irreversible. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know what, before I leave my daughter and my wife behind, I should maybe, you know, just for the heck of it, go speak to a shrink. And man. I'm the luckiest <laughs> bastard on the planet. So I got lucky there. And once that happened, you know, like when one big weight was lifted, right? So no longer was mm -hmm. I blaming myself. I mean, in the beginning, I was like super pissed. I'm like, what the hell? Like I, I could have I could have gone like my, all the symptoms, right? They were there like when I was in like third grade, fourth grade. Mm -hmm. And if my parents had known and if they had the proclivities to take me to get tested, I would have gone through life in a very, very, very different trajectory, right? It would be boring, but I'd be rich and probably wouldn't <laughs> be happy, right? But anyways, different life. In this situation, what I ended up doing was like, okay, now that I accepted what I, you know, who I am and I have these strengths and weaknesses, it's, it's like typical RPG terms, right? Which class do you want to play? Do you want to be a barbarian? Mm -hmm. Do you want to be a wizard? Do you want to be a witch doctor, artificer, whatever? And I decided to go through life by doubling down on shit that makes, you know, makes me come alive right and trying to outsource delegate or avoid all the stuff that you know is bores me down so in business i still struggle with finance i still struggle with accounting i have i have like two months worth of rent sorry a loan repayment stuck in like receivables i have to send them an invoice but it's it's like five clicks of a button but executive dysfunction <laughs> i i'll get to it you know soon soon i also <laughs> I also try to set up systems as much as possible. Like, like I'm talking like automation itself. Like, that's why Repodcaster was like so amazing, right? Because I just have to talk and and the rest comes. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. and, and that's that's awesome. Like, imagine I don't have to edit. I, I still can't edit YouTube videos. You know, I know it's important. I know it's necessary, but I just can't do it. So that's that's one thing. But I found like there are a couple of other hacks that I have used as well. The number one, uh, if you can see this on video is a kitchen timer, right? Mm -hmm. And I constantly work in like 25 to 30 minute sprints. And what ends up happening is that I'm allowed to work on just one thing for that, you know, like, like a Pomodoro, right? So mm -hmm. that, that works. Yeah, sure. mm -hmm. But I combine that with body doubling. So I have my Discord server and people think it's all to help them, but nah, they're wrong. It's to help me, right? Because I have a co-working channel there and I, I beg people to come there. Please come join me for co-working. Mm -hmm. And the next 25 minutes, what are you working on? Oh, okay. I'm going to be working on this. Let's work. And I'm just working, working, working. Body doubling is something that's you know really helping me. And mm -hmm. there's this other productivity technique uh, or approach that I found. It's called the autofocus method by Mark Forster. It's essentially you have one big ass list and then you go through the list page by page. And then you see, oh, okay, I want to work on this right now. I'm going to work on that, right? Mm -hmm. That's there. And I've also set up penalties. There are a couple of tasks every day that I have to get done. And if I don't do it, I have to give my wife uh, money and <laughs> just turn around and profitable, right? So I, I'm, I'm in debt to my wife as well. 
I mean, not just emotionally and supportively, but like literally money. Mm-hmm. And she's 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 worse than the Sopranos TV show. So <laughs> I got to be careful. So that happens. And I've also found uh, medication. Right, I have mm-hmm. no qualms admitting it. I've found that medication has helped me focus. Right, in the beginning, it's like it's like it's like you know, you're driving a car and then there's like like 15 different people in the car like like clowns packed in they're all gibbering and jabbering about a variety of topics and all of them sound interesting and now suddenly you have like a mute button right that's what that's what it feels like mm-hmm. right and and i find that to be very useful also it's going to sound very very dumb so there was this technique i found on the internet called the anime doro technique so i mm-hmm. would work for 25 minutes and then watch like one episode of an anime and then work for 25 minutes <laughs> So I have the Diablo I mean, it works. <laughs> uh, so I have two screens. Diablo is open here and mm-hmm. I'm working. Moment it's done, one nightmare dungeon. All right, come back. Do this. I'm just saying, hey, it works Dude, for me. Works, I'm yeah. to it. <laughs> <laughs> that and avoiding programs, right? So I don't like to do shit that's got to be like continuing forever. Instead, mm-hmm. like for a podcast, I would say season one, right? So then I know the season one has just like 10 episodes or something. Mm-hmm. So when that ending thing is in sight, I'll be like... Okay, it's not forever and you know it helps. So I call them like projects versus programs, right? So mm-hmm. that's another thing that helps. That's actually interesting because I was also like my deadline for this year is that we will publish 15 episodes of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I'm 13 now, we have the other two probably scheduled, not sure yet. Mm-hmm. But yeah, now that you just mentioned it that I can break this into seasons that might actually help me as well to to get the, the pressure of having to release and release and release like a little out of the door maybe yeah, yeah. Uh, I have to consider oh, and, that uh, one more thing i'm um, sorry to interrupt it's it's no. meetings right like making public commitments like mm-hmm. for example i said like hey i would be you know here at this time for recording this thing right so now it is inevitable mm-hmm. right it's 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 like cloudflare DNS failure. Ha, 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 ha. Um, sorry, not not DNS, CDN. Anyways, <laughs> I know just enough words to sound smart. Anyway, mm-hmm. what I was trying to say is that meetings are, are you know, are, are great for me, right? Like my, my coaching, the reason why it still works and it's still working and I'm not going to get bored is one, I have a variety of clients. So there's that variety that happens. Mm-hmm. Second, whether I don't have to do work outside, like I don't have to do much work outside. It's just me tapping into my expertise. They will mm-hmm. do the work, but I have to be fully present in that meeting, right? And that's basically like one big ass improv show, right? And like let's you know let's let's take where this is going, and that that like when when you have this like like meetings or stuff planned out on the calendar, and when you have to like be someplace at some time, but you don't have to do too much of prep. Designing my work environment and my lifestyle around that has uh, really, really helped. That's interesting because I kind of have the reverse problem that mm-hmm. then that, that I know when I have a meeting that day, like today we have a podcast mm-hmm. meeting. Well, nothing I else gets done, right? Nothing else gets done and I can't concentrate on anything before yes. that meeting is over. Afterwards, fine. But before yeah. that meeting, nothing gets done. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That's why we play games and we schedule other meetings as well, right? Because mm. that's that's how that's how I cope with it, right? So Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays are the only days I have meetings, right? So mm-hmm. Monday is... I got into this because I didn't want to be in a corporate job. So I mm-hmm. every every Monday, it's going to sound as, what is the word? Schadenfreude, right? As as it gets, right? I would take my cup of coffee. I'd go sit in Starbucks and mm-hmm. I'd be watching all those people like drinking, like, you know, working on the laptop. Like, What's up? I'm just like sitting and reading a comic book. I'm like, <laughs> it feels so good. So good. I, I've seen my former boss like that once. I'm like, what's up, mate? He's like... <laughs> 
I'm like, yes. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I'm still a very petty man-child underneath. I mean, we can be <laughs> from, some, from time to time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, we kind of started our way into the indie hacking scene. We're still doing freelancing, but we also mm -hmm. went uh, of the of the work of the companies that we'd worked before. And mm -hmm. that's still like a feeling like I don't ever want to go back. There is this yeah. this cup that uh, Dagobert Renouf uh, mm -hmm. sold, which mm -hmm. which has the the text on it. Like imagine imagine having a boss again. I know. Sorry, sorry to Dagobert, but he has to work again for a boss. I know he, yeah. he had to cancel his his project, yeah. but still, this cup has so much value and truth to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, the feeling is completely mutual with dago yeah. in that i never want to go back to that if i can kind, can't, kind of if i can um, stop it i want don't want to go back you know yeah. this reminds me i didn't know about like adhd back then right so i had this 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 quote like that you can be a lion in the cage or you can be a lion in the wild a lion mm -hmm. in the cage is fed but it is trapped a lion in the wild has to hunt every day or it dies mm -hmm. right so that's that's like indie hacking versus having a job my wife she has a job and you know i i don't look down upon her but mm -hmm. like it's now friday evening for us here Okay, and she's, yeah, that's it. You know, like like she doesn't have to. She can she can mentally switch off. Mm -hmm. Whereas I'm already thinking like, hey, you know, what if what if what if I started off something like the Fizzle Show? You know, what if I tried this for the next community project? You see, my my I can't switch off. We can't switch off. Honestly, I don't think we want to switch off. I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's fun, right? It's yeah, work is play, right? Yeah, apart from that's, Diablo, that's but still, exactly yeah. the thing that like you are part, you're, you're like a little way down the, the journey path that I am, mm -hmm. in which we start to only do stuff that we actually want to do, mm -hmm. which is also business, right? So yeah. the, the whole thing, the whole idea about um, Schreiberling and now also repodcasted is that it's an app that I can actually use myself. Mm. So I'm having fun building it so I can yeah. use it myself. Yes. Um, and Getting there that people actually pay you for stuff like that is like the ultimate goal. It's not to oh, be a millionaire God. or sell the business, no. right? It's just to be able to not have to work for other people. That's like yes. the yes. one target yes. to hit yes. and it's, make the wife and make the wife happy. No. <laughs> just, just, you know, I'm going like super saiyan. That's if you could see the thing. That's that's how yeah. it feels right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what I mean, man. It's. Wow, I, th I I think that you also solved this problem, but you also have written a lot about laziness and imposter syndrome. Oh yes, how do you keep these ones in check for yourself? Because that's also <laughs> an ADHD thing and a gifted yeah. thing, and also regular people have this problem. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But how do you um, cope with that? So one, like before I knew I had ADHD, I would call like so. There are periods of manic hyperproductivity, right? Mm -hmm. And then there are periods where nothing happens, right? And I know this, like over time, I've realized that if I am like forcing myself to watch a TV show to finish all the seasons, that means that I'm in a funk, right? Now mm -hmm. I accept it. In those times, I am coasting. I'm doing the bare minimum work as much as possible, right? Like that's it. Attend the meetings, like marketing also, it's like, it's okay. No, I'll <laughs> get to it later. I, I Because this is how I'm operating, right? And mm -hmm. this is, of course, setting up systems and tools and let's say using Typefully to like, you know, write up like a bunch of different tweets and scheduling it. And that kind of helps me uh, maintain the consistency of output, not necessarily mm -hmm. consistency of input, right? And I can do that because I can schedule content. But when I'm in that hyper-focus phase, like I, I tell my wife and my daughter that, hey, listen, this week, just just leave me alone, all right? Don't, don't, mm -hmm. don't disturb me. And I'm, I'm working in beast mode. Right. Like I'm working like 20, 22 hour days 
and just 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 push that out and then you know this is me understanding how i'm working and designing my life and environment around it when it comes to laziness i still have laziness right like right now you're looking at a very well manicured backdrop <laughs> over here i have cartons over here i have a statue that hasn't been dusted like in like 6 months i have coffee plates i have a, a light that's hanging off from the wall i have shit like this right but this is what you see <laughs> this baby is marketing right yeah. i mean the it's point ex- is, you, I, I wouldn't show the rest of my desk right now so i can relate <laughs> <laughs> right right so laziness is, is, is a thing right and as i'm growing older i realize like it's okay man you know it's it's okay yeah and there's this one quote i've been meaning to like print and like hang out over here i still haven't gotten around to it it's shoot what's the guy the guy who wrote rum diaries hunter thompson oh, yeah. mm-hmm. hunter s thompson right he has this thing about i'm paraphrasing here the point of life is not to arrive you know like properly and like you know everything went like you know hunky dory it's to like slide in sideways you know hairs ablaze and saying wow what a ride you know it's it's like going on a roller coaster versus going on a highway driving on a highway is fun but a roller coaster is like you know you have the ups you have the lows and you enjoy all of it mm-hmm. this wisdom i didn't get until like maybe a year ago or something so this this is what i do <laughs> and i think it's really helpful yeah it's kind of a good segue into the finishing questions the first one and i'm really i'm really i really want to hear what you say about this what are you excited about right now and that can be either technology and work related or not i have to just be like one thing it can be two (laughs) all right so in diablo i'm very very eager for like season two because Mm -hmm. uh, the first time when we're hitting level 100 on a character okay so that's super duper awesome but the other thing is from from a work perspective there are actually like two things one and i mentioned to this before we started recording Mm -hmm. i want to launch a podcast right and the name i have for it is the arvind sundar show and the Mm -hmm. tagline i have is everybody wants to get on it Unfortunately, I realized that the acronym for the Arvind Sundar show is ASS. And when you add that with the acronym, <laughs> everybody wants to get on it. The, 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 the direction of the podcast might change, right? And <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm, hey, you know, anything's possible, but I, I might have to think about that. But I still think, think that you should do it. <laughs> <laughs> everybody wants a piece of it. It's just the taglines write themselves, right? You just don't get to do anything. <laughs> oh, God. The one place where you can make an ass of yourself. That is so good. That's oh, awesome. yes. Amazing. The headline is perfect. Yeah. It is. So one is that. And I'm, I'm, I'm intending to start building this in public from, you know, soon. Mm-hmm. Soon being like today, right? I have to make the announcement, tweet and whatnot. And the other thing is I launched that Discord server. And we're now at power level 53. You get the beam reference. Um, Power level nine thousand. Okay, like, I got the whole thing. Sure right? about it, but yeah, I yeah. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> we're not fifty-three strong, mm-hmm. but having a community like this, right, is feels so good, right? Like mm-hmm. it, I get to do the one thing I really, really enjoy without feeling like stupid or idiotic about it, which is I just mm-hmm. want to help people, right? And I have this thing like. I have so much of marketing to, you know, and like business building stuff to share. I'm like, please come, you know, let me help you. Let me help you. <laughs> I've done that with a bunch of people on Twitter and they become good friends, except for one person who's like, what the hell's wrong with you? I'm like, so many things. My mom had me tested. And, but, but the point is I'm excited about that, that, that me actually being able to help a whole bunch of people build profitable businesses in that discord. And this 
ASS. That's 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 what I'm we're excited gonna, about. We're gonna get on that, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Maybe we can maybe we can test repodcast it on that podcast. That's gonna be a little Absolutely. meta experiment. <laughs> I will pedal the ASS everywhere. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> it's also gonna Holy make shit, a good. I never make it. It's, it's, I'm, I'm going to celebrate it so much if we have on the landing page, we have like a customer's part. And then the first thing is like an ass. Oh, shit. Hey, when you were young, did you ever try Winamp? No, I kind of okay. missed that. I, I'm, no I'm, young, I'm exactly young enough that I missed that culture part. <laughs> right. Not a problem. Because they used to have this, 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 this default sound. Okay. It's really whoops. The llama's ass. I was like, oh, that is so cool. <laughs> And I didn't know it was really was the Lama's ass was a thing. I thought it was really whoop the Dalai Lama's ass. I'm like, this is crazy. I'm like, and then I actually went and Googled. I'm like, ah, okay, this makes sense. This makes so much more sense. Uh, long live Winamp, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but also a nice tagline with the Dalai Lama, maybe, maybe yeah. a little too controversial. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. So the, the last question we have, we, we got a lot of value from this from this episode, so the people can pick already. But what's one lesson or advice you would give someone that's just starting out the Indie Hacker career now? I'm hmm? trying very hard to pick the right one. Start with twice as much runway as you think you need. Mm-hmm. And then that would be the safest bet. I wanted to say, you know, make shit that people want, but that is that is it's what is it? It's very hackneyed advice, right? People know that, but it's not that people do it, right? But mm-hmm. for them to actually do this, they need that that runway to make those experiments. And starting with twice as much runway as you think you need gives you that that breathing room to make that happen. Yeah, I think that's good advice. Or right, have 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 different approaches to it, right? I I started by doing going from five days to four days yeah. of my full time work, right? Yeah. I feel like that is also possible. So you see, can test I would have water, never known that. <laughs> I, I could have never done this in India, right? Because in India, there are certain yeah. cultural expectations that, you know, you have mm-hmm. to be here, you have to do this. But hey, if, if that's possible, go do that, right? That, that's like best of both worlds. <laughs> yeah, it's, it was it was awesome for me. And also, I think that's only true for German companies. I'm not sure how the how the law works for other companies, but uh, for mm-hmm. other countries. But in Germany, mm-hmm. your employer actually can't say no to this. Are you, you are allowed to you are allowed to lower your working hours within the law you can't right. you can't re-up them without uh-huh. the employer saying okay f- to that but you can lower them to a certain point without the employer b- being able to say no, which is okay. awesome of course the best thing is that your employer um, supports you on the switch minded yes. which i'm very grateful for awesome um, they also lost me because of that, probably. <laughs> but, but I'm still grateful for them to um, yeah. give me that opportunity. Yeah. So I would I would also suggest if you're going to at this full time and you're mm-hmm. and you think that you can do that, yeah, I would have a lot of sense. Agree yes. with um, also going with the twice the, run, the runway. Um, yeah. But uh, another thing could be that you can test the waters by going like one Precisely. day or something yes. like that. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Perfect. That makes sense. Awesome, well, man. Arvind, that was the last question. I would like to talk Ta-da! even one hour more. <laughs> but for now, we are at the end. I'm I'm pretty sure that we will see or hear you on the podcast again. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> but for now, thank you for being here, for taking the time and such such a long time. We like 40 minutes over. Holy shit, seriously? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, I had no clue. 
<laughs> but I'm I'm amazed. I, I didn't want to stop the train of of very great content and value here. Train so much about materials, marketing. right? So thank you for not <laughs> stopping it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a delight. But, yeah, thank you so much for this opportunity as well, mate. You know, it's you're one of the first uh, friends I made on Twitter, and you know, I'm super duper happy that we got to have this conversation. And anytime you're in India, any part of India, just let me know. I will not stalk you. I will politely arrive after giving advance notice <laughs> to be you in a safe and public environment. <laughs> Thank you, thank you. I'm extending yes, the same yeah. offer to you. If you are in the northern parts of Germany, you're always welcome here. We have a very yes. wonderful island we live on. Uh, oh, very wonderful beaches. I've seen your cycling and, tracks. They're beautiful. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's amazing. Got to do that. <laughs> I think I think we have enough sunlight that we can still do it today. I hope I hope we can do another cycling round today. Oh, yeah. crazy! Living so far <laughs> away from the equator, but okay. <laughs> yeah, we are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, man. You have a good one. Thank you so much. And remember, you too, everybody, code and conquer. And that's our episode. Thank you for sticking with us to the end. You can find Arvind on Twitter with the username Arvind Sundar. That's A-R-V-I-N-D-H-S-U-N-D-A-R. You can find links to his products there as well. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. We're always happy to hear feedback. If you're building an indie hacker business yourself, you want to be part of the show, we're also really happy to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter with the username Icebelabs, that's I-C-E-B-E-A-R-L-A-B-S, or send me a mail to Tobias at Icebelabs.com. And you can also find this podcast on Twitter with the, with the handle code ConquerPod. We also have a website you can check out. We're posting articles about the biggest learnings of each episode there as well. Go to codeandconquer.fm to find out more. If you're one of the people who listens to this podcast on the Apple Podcast platform or Spotify, please consider rating our show. It lets other people discover this podcast and helps us grow this even bigger. Thank you so much. Till next time. <laughs>